Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bloomington Buzz. I'm your host, Dominic Jean. With me today, I have Editor-in-Chief Cam Drummond. How's it going, everyone? And I also have Matt Begala, our photo editor. How are we doing? I've brought these two in this week to talk about the World Cup a little bit. I'm not a huge soccer fan myself, but these two are pretty much rabid about it. Oh, yeah. Totally oh, rabid. Yeah. Huge guys. We're actually watching. <laughs> huge soccer guys. Huge fans. soccer guys here. We're actually huge. watching Spain, Portugal while we're recording this podcast right now. So this is a Friday afternoon game. To And I've been up since like 7 a.m. today. Yeah, There's two other games, right? Yeah. And I'm going to be up at 5 a.m. on Saturday to watch France, Australia. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you got to be dedicated. We'll be bleary eyed and <laughs> enjoying the footy. Yes. As you can tell, we definitely have some dedicated fans on our staff. And we'll be talking a little bit more about the World Cup coming up. But until then, a few other highlights and stories that we have for you. This past week, we had Trump and Kim Jong-un meet for their anticipated summit. And we had Lee Feinstein from the School of Global and International Studies talk to us a little bit about that summit. He is also a former ambassador to Poland. And he talked about how we are still a very long way from concrete changes, even though we should be optimistic about where this summit is taking us. For now, I think the focus is they had a meeting. There seems to be intent to move forward and to take this further. The meeting didn't break down. So far, no tweet storms, no denunciations of American presidents by North Korean leaders. So the longer that can hold and the more a kind of a process can take hold, the better chances are that this can produce a positive outcome. We also had the IU Student Association, the student government here at IU, They joined other Big Ten student governments in critiquing an education bill called the PROSPER Act. The PROSPER Act is a very long acronym. It's for Promoting Real Opportunity, Success, and Prosperity Through Education Reform. It's a bill going through the U.S. House of Reps right now, which is going to eliminate the federal in-school interest subsidy, which just means that student loans are going to start gaining interest while students are still in school, as opposed to not doing that before. There are a few other things in the bill, but you can check out our story for more on that. And I'm now going to bring in Cam here for a minute to talk about one of our sports stories for this week, Damian Willis Jr. Cam, what do we need to know about Damian? Why is he important this week? So Damian Willis Jr. is going to be one of the veteran leaders, one of the few veteran leaders for the IU football linebacking course this season. A big loss for IU, one of the biggest question marks for the football team heading into the 2018 season is going to be that linebacking position because they lost two absolute studs, two seniors, T. Gray Scales and Chris Covington, both of whom are in the NFL now with their respective teams. And that has meant that IU is going to have to look for some youth at that linebacking position. They're going to have a lot of inexperience, which is the reason why Willis is return he's a fifth year senior is so important because he's been there done that in games played in 10 games last season hasn't gotten the chance really to display his complete ability at that position just because of a couple injuries and also because of the fact that t gray and chris were above him on the depth chart for the past couple of seasons because they were so great but with willis there he if nothing else gives more of a guiding hand to some of these younger players that tom allen and company are going to be looking towards when the season starts up in early september awesome thank you so much cam And now moving on to a different side of things, we also have a story this week from our weekend edition in arts about creating healthy habits over this summer. Definitely check it out. It talks about some of the different ways that you can engage in physical activity. Um, One in particular that gets highlighted is yoga. There are many yoga classes here at Bloomington, and you can also take some community classes as well. So check that out. 
But now moving on to the focus of our show this week, the World Cup. Guys, what do we need to know about the World Cup, and what do I need to know as a layperson trying to watch the World Cup? It started. Thank you. <laughs> it has, Very helpful. It has started. <laughs> I think that we're past that first day, and now we're into the, uh, it's like, it's, it's actually moving along. Now, now, yeah, now we're into the real tournament where you're having two, three, four games a day, and in comparison to the 2014 tournament in Brazil, where the time schedule was a little bit more favorable to the yeah. U.S. viewer, where games would start maybe to start at 10 a.m. each day, we got games starting at like 5 a.m., 7 a.m., <laughs> 9 a.m., so even if you're here on the East Coast, like, the times are still going to be a little bit difficult to watch live. You're going to have to be pretty dedicated to get up for it, but... Tons of games each day. We're at the very beginning of the tournament right now where it's just group stage play, which means that there's still two, three, sometimes even as many as four games in the day. So there's plenty of opportunity to watch any of the thir- 32 teams on display in Russia. And it's still been it's been pretty even so far. I mean, all the games that have been played, like and we were talking about it earlier, was that the games, that, they were, the uh, groups are actually pretty well matched. Right. And so far today we've had two games that went all the way to the wire. Right. Had, had a stop- 90th minute and a 95th minute goal. Stoppage like, time winning goals. I mean, we're in the middle of watching a really competitive Spain-Portugal game right now. We're texting about it yeah. to they, each other. <laughs> they just, uh, Spain bounced one off the post. Really? Actually, goal line technology just saved uh, See, saved I can't Portugal see it because right the there. laptop's facing you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, right now they are quite literally tied up on the big screen outside mm-hmm. of the studio. Um, yeah. And so we're probably going to leave the studio and go watch that here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But guys, so what teams um, should we really keep an eye out for? Are there any um, big standouts? Matt, you want to go with maybe like a favorite in the Dark Horse? Mm-hmm. In the Dark Horse? Um, I've been saying this since maybe forever. Um, I, on paper, England should go far. On Especially paper. this year's England team. Yeah. They've got, they, in 2014, they were, they, were, they were getting there. They had a lot of youth. They had no experience. And they also, they also flamed out as part of Costa Rica having a really right. good showing at the right. World Cup for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot, of pe- a lot of people want Argentina. Um, but I still stand by. The, I it just it's it's Messi and other players. I think that they know? want they want it for Messi though, just because Messi's yeah. never won a, a top national team honor with the senior it team. Would, it would do a lot to solidify him as one of the for sure one of. Well, I mean, I know it's him and Ronaldo is for best players in the world right now. But I mean, right. the thing that uh, Ronaldo has, he has a Euro. Um, most recently, he won the Euro with Portugal. Yeah. Um, so I, he's he's got. And you look at their group as well. But it's Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. Yeah. Like Argentina should breeze through that they without too much. Difficulty. England a little bit more difficult because they're stuck with Belgium, mm-hmm. Panama, and Tunisia. And England's shown the capability in certain years to fall flat at the group stage level. And even if they win the group, they may, you know, face a team like Colombia in the round of 16. So they're going to have to display some like extra moxie that we haven't seen from the English in the past two, three, four World Cups. But yeah, so guys, what do you, is there anything else we need to know about the World Cup going in? Any other teams that? Our standout or any teams that you think we shouldn't root for? We have to talk about Iceland, right? This is the point where we you talk about talk Iceland. About, okay, you want to talk about Iceland. about Iceland? We're talking about Iceland, guys. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. They, the teams like that, I mean, it, we had an article online that was written about it. And was Iceland part of the the teams, like the Just for Fun teams? I think they're or? part of like the, the underdog, <laughs> long, yeah, shot underdog story. long shot Along teams. with Nigeria. But, like, they're that team that you just you want to support. And I remember in, right. in 2014. Um, 2016. 2016. It was in the Euros when when... Yeah, it, it was in the Euros in 2016, and Iceland, they were the team that like you could rally behind. And every, that's, knocked out England in the right. round of 16. And for that's that. ultimately what I think the World Cup is about. Like you want to rally for that, that underdog team because right. they're the big teams that yeah, I mean, people are going to love. And Iceland's kind of had this narrative that's been building since that 2016 Euro, smallest nation ever to qualify yeah. for a World Cup. They're 
head coach is like a part-time dentist on the side. Yeah. A lot of their players play like locally in, in the Icelandic First Division, which I believe is sponsored by Pepsi, in a random side note. Yep. But also a lot of people have been talking about Peru as a, the possible Iceland of the 2018 World Cup. First time they've been in the World Cup since the 1970s. They've brought large quantities of people to Russia in terms of fan support. Mm-hmm. They're going to have 20,000, maybe even 30,000 people at each match. They've kind of been the Cinderella story through qualifying. Their best player, uh, a forward named Paolo Guerrero, was suspended for cocaine use, mm-hmm. has been unsuspended for the World Cup after like some retroactive testing and stuff. Oh, wow. So they may actually be good enough to reach the knockout rounds in addition to kind of being like the sparky little underdog that people may fall in love with as, over the course of the tournament. I also think one thing that's interesting to note, um, we've got an aging Spanish team currently playing. A lot of superstars that could be potentially in their, their either final World final Cups. World Cups right. um, because you usually, you usually find out two years after that World Cup that they're going to not play in the well, next we one. We haven't even touched about Spain firing their head coach, their manager. Two days before the Two days before the tournament because right he became the new Real Madrid manager. So mm-hmm. like every World Cup, there's a bunch of like absolutely crazy storylines that develop not only during the tournament but in the days leading up to it. I mean, The drama. Yeah, not even that. You got you know, the individual aspects of it, like a Ronaldo or a Messi or some of these like world-class players that maybe people are tuning in more for the player than the country just to see like what Ronaldo does or what Messi does or things oh, like that. 100 percent with Portugal. Oh, oh right, yeah. <laughs> I think people want to see what 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 Ronaldo does. It's a it's a happy kind of accident if Portugal does really well. Right. Uh, if anybody else on that team does very very well. So you have people's like club allegiances. Like if you have a Real Madrid or a Barcelona fan, yeah. they may be more interested in the <laughs> Spanish or Portuguese games than maybe yeah. say just the random fan. You have Liverpool fans pulling Ayo. for Egypt because of uh, Mohamed Salah. Haven't Salah. even talked about how Egypt has had like they've been kind of like the Cinderella story out of Africa as well. Well, that and I mean. Oh, it, it bugs me. That that storyline bugs me because uh, every well, not everybody, but a lot of people know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. He got pulled down by Ramos in the Champions League final. Sergio Ramos of Spain. Sergio Ramos of Spain and Madrid, and he got pulled down, dislocated his shoulder. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. And that that set him out. They he's he's been on a track to get back to 100 percent with quotes, and they said he's at 100 percent now, and he didn't play today. Right. So they're still and they lost their first game, which and, they, and yeah. they're in the same group as the host. And we haven't even talked about Russia. He was gonna be the breakout star, right. I feel like, and but now they've had to, you know, shift gears. Russia goes out and scores five goals in their opening game. This is their tournament. The expectations for them were super low because Russia's disappointed at the last couple European Championships mm-hmm. as well as the last couple of World Cups. Plus, it's Russia, so there's the whole socio-political aspect to it as well, where the royal family from England isn't. They've traditionally gone and watched the English national team at the World Cup. They're not going to do that this year because of tensions between England and Russia. There you go. And so thank you, everyone, for joining in, and thank you, Matt and Cam, for having that rousing discussion without me about World Cup soccer. I am obviously not into it as much as these guys, but I hope you guys are, and I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Check out the stories in the SoundCloud link below. Thank you very much, and see you next week. Look at this! Oh, no! Oh, no! Look at that!